It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning is part two of our two-part series on how to strengthen your marriage. Last week, we looked at attitudes and expectations of marriage. This morning, part two, we look at several stages of marriage. For more information on the show or to join the conversation this morning, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Coming up this morning, we talked to a couple who blended their family and adopted a child and battled depression. They share details of their 25-year love story. Then, a couple who have been married 45 years find out their secrets to maintaining a happy marriage and how they still keep romance alive. And later, the stars of HGTV's newest hit show, Hometown. Is their newfound fame affecting their marriage? We get the details. But first, this morning, could you and your spouse work together? Well, Nathan and Andrea have found a way to make it work for them. They are the owners of Abbey Girl Suites. It's our pleasure to welcome Nathan and Andrea to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. We're doing well, thank you, sir. Good. Now, how long have you two been married? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Look, he looks at her and he, <laughs> he lets her answer that question. I Just hear you. Just to make sure. Just to make sure. Well, you're a smart man there, Nathan. Okay, now, the two of you own your very own company right here in Cincinnati in this area. Tell us about the company, if you will. Well, right now, we currently have three locations. Um, we just opened our third out of Eastgate. And, uh, the name of the company is? The name of the company is Abbey Girl Sweets. Okay. And uh, we're known for our uh, fresh from scratch cupcakes. And uh, if you get to try out our Eastgate location, we now have amazing coffee and cupcake shakes and Italian ice. So a whole bunch of sweets that you can get in one place. All right. So you guys are diversifying, right? That's right. Okay. So you guys have been married 15 years. You have your own business, right? Yes. And so to make things more complicated, you have children. (laughs) Correct. You have four children. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And to make that even more complex... Mm-hmm. You guys homeschool these four children. That's right. And these four children, I understand, are eight and under. Correct. Yes. All right. So let's just complicate <laughs> life, why don't we? Yes, exactly. Let's just throw it all in. <laughs> okay. So I guess everyone's listening this morning. How do you do it? I, I, here's the word. I always just tell her, we just got to survive. That's right. <laughs> just so we just got to survive this. We, right. We're looking for the next good break. <laughs> you just go in pure survival mode. Exactly. Okay, good. Exactly. Yep. Okay, so how do you make this work, honestly? Well, definitely you have to be very organized. Um, in my case, um, obviously you can tell more the organizer, planner, you know, have schedules everywhere, alarm sets on my phone. Um, but it's really more of just having a plan. Um, and obviously, you know, I follow curriculum for the homeschool. And so that helps me to be very much organized. And therefore, the kids have something to always go by. And they're not just like, okay, we're just not, you know, sit at home in pajamas today. But you have like a, a set thing of what you're doing. Um, so that's how I go about it. And then, of course, the alarms that go off on my planner for the things that I have to take care of with, with our business and then not to mention our home, you know, paying bills and other things that go along with that. Um, But it it helps a lot to just being organized and having a set plan every morning. Okay. So you have your own business and, you know, you guys are married. 
what made you decide to, okay, well, let's homeschool. Let's just, you know, let's just do the homeschooling thing because that adds a whole nother level because, you know, most people, you know, your kids are in school. You can get a lot done, Correct. But you, especially owning your own business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I think it kind of started almost as I'd say an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that both of our children were born, they were born later so that we could have started them or waited a year. So we were like, well, we don't know if we can do this or not, but let's give it a shot because we can try it for a year. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out the way we want, we can just put them in at their normal time. They just would go in, you know, the later time of the year. And uh, and what we found was is that they did really well. And, and our youngest one was kind of keeping up with the oldest one because he wasn't even really supposed to be in class yet, but he wanted to. <laughs> and so after that first year, we kind of realized that we couldn't even really put him in regular school because he's already so far ahead of where the other kids are. Yeah, like are he's, he's six years old sister. and he's doing second grade stuff okay. and moving on. And so it's like, oh, okay, so I guess you're doing great. And then his sister technically, you know, supposed to be a year younger, but she's doing great with all the other stuff that is, you know, in her grade level now in second grade or actually third grade. So it's just it shows us a lot that you can push your kids more than you think, um, but in a good way. And now all of a sudden, because they also see us with our business, now they're talking business stuff. Like they'll go to our shops and take care of the point of sale system and they know how to. Yeah, they exactly (laughs) do that because they've learned that in school. So there's just so, so many benefits that we see with that just because they're learning at a young age how to run a business and, and what that entitles, you know, so responsibility. All right. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to the second part of our two-part series on marriage. We're speaking to Nathan and Andrea. They're the owners of Abbey Girl Suites. They've been married 15 years. They have four kids, and they homeschool, and they do it all. If you'd like more information on marriage, you can go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, and you can actually join the conversation there as well. Now, being married, having a business, having the kids, what is your biggest stressor for you guys as a couple individually? What's the biggest stressor for you, Nathan? It's probably having more more work than I have time for. Mm-hmm. So I got to prioritize, you know, and sometimes the priority is my family. So I got to yeah. say I'd love to get this project done, but it's not mission critical. I need to go spend time with my kids this afternoon or yeah. My my wife and I, we've been talking business all this time, but we haven't had a date in a while. So I know I could work two more hours on the computer, but it's not critical. Let's go spend time with my wife. And in the end, I know if our foundation's right, the kids are happy, my wife's happy. That's why we have the business in the first place, then everything else is going to work out. Okay. For you, Andrea, what's the biggest stressor? Yeah, I have to agree with him in that aspect is spending time with each other and finding that time of even if we have to hire the babysitter to give us a tie break to have our day night and just to be able to not talk about business, but each other or what the kids did today in school or what they, you know, the newest things that happen. Uh, But it's just finding that time to be with each other and our kids, too. Okay, so what's the biggest perk or advantage of working together professionally and working together with your spouse? What's the biggest advantage as you see it? Well, it all depends on the couple. (laughs) We like to be together. (laughs) So for us, it's a good thing that we're together, you know, pretty much 24-7, and that works for us. Um, now for other people, we've had people say, I don't know how you do that. That's kind of crazy. Right. I would go nuts if I was okay, my I'm probably on that spectrum, but okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I just, I, I think we bounce off of a lot of ideas from each other. And so we, we've learned to say, Hey, I have this problem. What do you think about it? And so it just helps us to be able to manage things quickly. And it's funny because a lot of our employees will say, 
Nathan just told me that. Why are you telling me that again? And it's like, well, sorry, we're in the same page. I didn't know he told you the same thing. So it, it just works for us. Um, it might not work for everybody, but we like to work with each other and we just learn a lot. And I think I would think one of the biggest advantages would be is that you are on the same page. You know everything. You know, you know exactly what you understand everything yep. and you know how critical this piece is to the exactly. business and why you need to fall back on maybe the family or vice versa. Right. So you, I'm sure you totally get everything. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you said this, but you know, do you guys ever get on each other's nerves? Come on. You're, you're with each other 24 <laughs> seven. I, I don't care in the best of marriages. I've been married 23 years. Come on. Yeah. I'm going to say it this way. We don't get on each other's nerves, but life gets on our nerves, and yes. sometimes we take it out on each other. Okay. <laughs> That's I'm say. Very diplomatic there, Nathan. All right. <laughs> All right. Good, good. Really good. Uh, I Andrew. do agree. I mean, believe me, there's times where you're just like, okay, leave me alone for a second. I'm going to go to the room. I don't need the kids. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to lock myself. Even if it's in the bathroom for a few minutes, <laughs> do not disturb me. And then I cool off and it's okay. But yeah, believe me, we have those days too. So we can okay. handle it. Just wait till the kids start playing sports and the extracurriculars. Wait till those kick in and it's just going to get yeah. so much more exciting and fun, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, good, sure. good, good. So let me ask you this now. What's the secret to working together professionally and being in partnership as a business owner with your spouse and making the marriage and business and partnership and making it all work? What's the secret? I'll tell you a hundred percent it's clear communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Understanding like I'll say something and she'll hear it different than what I thought Definitely. and she'll say something. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we've learned over time that we need to spend a lot of time making sure we not just hear the person, but understand the person. Correct. Yeah. And if you have something, don't, don't think that they think that you're already assuming something because what happens is, is I think about it, but I don't explain it to him. And he's like, well, I can't read your mind. You've got to talk to me about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> so it is kind of a lot about that speaking and saying, this bothers me. Can you please do something about it? Versus just keeping it in, assuming like, why is any fixing it? Well, he doesn't know. He hasn't heard my mind. So it's speaking about it and actually saying this bothers me or, or how do we fix this? And that works a whole lot better. <laughs> Okay. I want to pick up on something you guys mentioned earlier. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. You're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. We're speaking to Nathan and Andrea. They're a married couple, been married 15 years. They own Abbey Girl Suites right here in this area, right here in Cincinnati. You mentioned something, and I want to go back to it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about your children and how basically you're role modeling for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be entrepreneurs, it yes. seems. Tell yes. me about that. Yeah, I am. I, um... That was was something I picked up early on. I was I went and lived my my grandma. She was a nanny, and and her uh, the couple she worked with they ran you know 150 million dollar companies. The one had been a VP of Saran Wrap, and the first thing I noticed when I met their daughters, they were like 13, 14 years old. That they were educated, but not educated in school, but educated in life. Mm-hmm. They understood culture. They understood. They had big vocabulary. It was stuff that they didn't get just by going to school. They got it because they were around their parents, and their parents talked about work and they talked about business and. I mean, if you get around our kids, you'll hear their vocabulary is incredible because they're around adults all the time. You're so always talking cupcakes. We talk business yeah, all day exactly. long in the car for a half hour, <laughs> and right. so they hear that. Okay, can they make cupcakes? They sure try. (laughs) (laughs) Now they can sell you, definitely. You'll hear them playing like, how many cupcakes would you like? And we don't have vanilla and they're this much. And so, yeah, you know, our son will be like, 
when I grow up, I'm going to build, you know, roller coasters or whatever, because he's already in his little mind thinking, I'm going to do something. I'm just not going to sit around, you know. And so you just see their minds being so creative. So it's really neat. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. I really enjoyed my time with you again. If our listeners, if they would like to get their hands on one of your sweet creations, how can they do so? Well, they can visit our website at abbygirlsweets.com. And then um, we also have our Facebook page, Abby Girl Suites. And then you'll see about our three locations there. All right. Downtown, Blue Ash, and Eastgate. Uh, and I always tell people, if you ever need a taste tester, I'm your man. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, guys. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. We've been speaking to Nathan and Andrea about being married and owning their own business together. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning is part two of our two-part series on how to strengthen your marriage. This morning, from newlyweds to the first 45 years, how to make your marriage work. For more information, reach out to us on our Facebook page. Go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now, and we'll have additional information on marriage there as well. And you can actually join the conversation there as well if you would like. Up next, we're joined by a couple who began their marriage as a blended family. They're here this morning to share their story. We're joined by Sam and Carol. It's our pleasure to welcome both Sam and Carol to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Now, so what I understand, how long have you guys been married? We're actually coming up on 25 years in October. Well, congratulations on that. Now, let me start with Sam. Now, Sam, you started your marriage as a blended family. Carol had a four-year-old daughter, as I understand. Were you apprehensive at all entering to this blended family, this whole deal, a family already stir and mix and you just add in as a blended family. What were your thoughts and what were your concerns and or fears? My bigger concerns were actually before we got engaged during the time that we were dating because my uh, daughter, uh, who I uh, met her when she was two, my stepdaughter, that if we started dating and it didn't work out and she and I had bonded and she had already just recently experienced the divorce of her biological parent, that that would be really hard for her. So that that was really my biggest concern. Once we reached that point in our relationship that we decided to get married, it was actually much easier. Now, Carol, let me ask you this. Now, early on in the marriage, you guys blended this family together. Did you go through an adjustment period with the family? What was that like for you? Did you go through an adjustment? Oh, definitely. Well, and in any situation, whether it's a blended family or, or just two people coming together in a marriage, you have to blend what you know how you yourself were raised because a lot of us uh we relate to our partners based on how we our own parents related and so um yeah there were there were some difficulties that in the beginning just trying to figure things out and especially the parenting piece because i think sam wanted to recognize my authority of being her mother but i also wanted him to be a part of that discipline piece as well Okay, so give us an example, if you don't mind, some of those difficult times and tell us how you guys got through that. Well, I I just think it was a lot of communication. You know, uh, we come from very different families, as most married couples do. And and I think you initially set out being a parent like the way your parents parented you. Absolutely. And, you know, there were definitely differences there. But uh, I think the thing that really helped is we could communicate about it. And I really I think the one of the absolute keys was our age, um, that we were both older. Um, as an instructor, when I work with college freshmen, one of the things I tell them is, if you get married before you're 25 years old, I will find you and I will kill you. And I really <laughs> believe in that philosophy. All right.
So when you guys found yourself having issues there, you did turn somewhere. You did turn somewhere for help. Is we, that right, Carol? We, we did. We we sought out uh, a parenting program, which I think everybody, anybody that's parenting should seek out those kind of parenting services. Because, you know, when children are, even if you give birth to children, they're, they're limited instructions on how to raise children. Mm-hmm. And so we sought out uh, parenting through the nurturing um, parenting uh, program at the Family Nurturing Center. So you guys get married, you blend your family, and a few years into your marriage, you decide you want to adopt. Leading up to the adoption, was that an emotional or stressful time for your marriage? The stressful part, I think, was was the paperwork. I mean, we literally had to get FBI uh, fingerprint background checks, financial documents, uh, in just, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. You have to have an attorney um, and... You know, that, yeah, you that, have to have home visits people, yeah. where a social worker has to come out and approve your home. Yeah. And it, it's so much more involved yeah. in adopting. But the day that he arrived, it was like none of that had ever happened. OK. And how old was he? Seven months. And so what was that experience like for you guys as a family, as a married couple? Because I'm sure that's something you guys had to work through, struggle through to get to that point. What was that like for you guys as a married couple to go through that? the adoption process and the things that led up to the adoption. Oh, I think it was a very bonding experience. You know, when you share something that significant, it can't help but bring you closer together. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and of course, um, our daughter, um, you know, she had to get used to having a sibling. She was used to being the only child and suddenly sharing our time. We had to kind of split that off and we would sort of take turns focusing on each child. But they're 11 years difference in age. and, And I think that was a big help. Okay. And so your son now that you adopted mm-hmm. is now how old? He's 18 and he's graduating soon from Cooper High School and will be attending Northern Kentucky University. All right. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking about marriage. It's actually our second of a two-part series on marriage. Right now we're talking to Sam and Carol. They have been married for 25 years. For more information on marriage, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page or you can actually join the conversation right now. Visit Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now, 25 years looking back on things, for you personally, what has been the most challenging aspect of your marriage? I think for me, uh, what I would probably identify is uh, I suffer from clinical depression. I have all my life since before I met Carol, and uh, I made a decision a few years ago to become very open talking about that. And I've, it's been overwhelming to me how many other people uh, suffer from this. And I genuinely believe that, that in many, probably most situations where you are in a relationship with that, it's actually harder on the other person than it is the person who suffers from that mental illness. Okay. Carol, your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think it, it is a, it becomes a very difficult piece in the relationship because what ends up happening is, then the other person has to take a stronger role and make decisions um, without the other person, depending where they're at. Um, but also, I think the thing that was of value, even though he's, he you know suffers with depression at, at times, um, just that the amount of empathy and respect um, that I have for him and understanding that this is, this is a part of life. A lot of people suffer from it, don't feel comfortable talking about it. Um, yeah. And so we're very open about everything. Okay. And so for you, Carol, um, Sam talked about the depression, but for you, what's been the most challenging aspect of your marriage 25 years later? 
the times when um, our daughter, when she turned 13, she had to struggle through some time of, um, you know, teenagers do that. They, that's just a part of their the way their brains are they, as far as they're, they're, they're processing, um, you know, well, who's a real father. And, and that was probably the biggest struggle for me is that there'd be times when she um, would do various things, say things to him, you know, because she was trying to figure out dad. Um, and that was probably the hardest thing for me because I wanted her to respect him. But, of course, I did want her to have a relationship with her with her father as well. Um, so that was, those were probably the harder times. Okay. So what's the most rewarding aspects of being married? 25 years looking at it right now, what's the most rewarding thing for you guys? I would say, you know, I, some of it sounds very cliche, but just, you know, knowing that there's someone there uh, who knows you and knows everything about you and still loves you with their whole heart, you know, and and truly becomes a soulmate. I, I'm a big believer that so much of what we see in TV shows and movies is just such a big lie because they rarely show people who've been together a long time and who are making it happen because it doesn't make for good television. But uh, the the, uh, the joy that comes from that and the way it renews itself over and over again is amazing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's just knowing you have someone there um, whenever you need them. It's 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 very reassuring. Okay, so we talked about this. We talked about your son. He is about to head off to college. You guys will be empty nesters. <laughs> um, so how do you think being empty nesters? Oh, I can already tell. How do you think that will impact your marriage? Oh, I think there's definitely going to be an adjustment period, and and uh, you know, as our kids have gotten older and become much more independent. I think we've gotten at least a little bit of a taste of that. Um, and and like any other transition in a relationship, it's one you, you take on together and you, and you figure it out as you go. I'm ready for that freedom and, and for us to be able to just focus on each other. Uh, there's been, you know, kids come first in, in a marriage when you have children. Right. And especially that we have never, you know, since we had a stepdaughter from the time we got married, we've never actually really had that experience. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to part two of our two part series on marriage, how to strengthen your marriage and how to make your marriage work. For more information on marriage, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. And you can also join the conversation there as well. This morning, we're speaking to Sam and Carol. They have been married 25 years. They have a blended family, and they're here this morning to talk about their marriage. Now, let me ask the two of you this. 25 years into your marriage, why do the two of you work? Why does your marriage work? I think because we're really good at communicating. Mm -hmm. um, being open, respecting each other, respect's a big piece of it. Absolutely. Uh, empathy. And I cannot overemphasize the importance of being a good listener. There's no better way to tell another person that you value them by listening. And not just, you know, listening isn't a passive activity, you know, really practicing what we call active listening. Okay, good. And so, Carol, you talked about communication, and I think that's such a broad term. Um, help us define what that looks like and what do you mean? Well, definitely what Sam talked about, that listening is a big piece of communicating. So many people think communicating is just talking. There has to be that active listening as well. And I think a huge amount of that communication needs to be face-to-face. -face. Talking on the phone is okay. Don't text me and tell me you love me. I don't, I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with that. But to think that that can fulfill what being really in touch with each other person-to-person -person does, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't come close. 
And finally, this morning, as we wrap up with you guys, again, we're speaking to Sam and Carol. They've been married 25 years. Now, what's the biggest piece of advice you can offer to married couples listening this morning? What do you want them to know? What do they need to know to make their marriage work? I would say make sure you make time for just the two of you. Uh, I, I keep coming back to listening. For anybody who isn't married yet, I'll also keep coming back to never, ever, ever get married before you're 25 years old. Okay, and why do you say that? You said that twice. Why? Yeah, it's brain development. Your brain changes between approximately 20 and 25 more than any other time in your life except when you're a baby. So when I tell people you will be a different person at 25 than you are 20, I mean it. Okay. Carol, for you, the best piece of advice you can offer to other married couples? To respect your partner, to listen, and um, make sure you, you're taking that time to be together. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the whirlwind of day-to-day activities. So, yeah, just take time for each other, even if it's just, you know, five or ten minutes in the evening. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Thank, Thank you. you. We've been speaking to Sam and Carol about their 25-year marriage. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to part two of our two-part series on how to strengthen your marriage. Last week, we talked about attitudes and expectations of marriage. This week, from newlyweds to the first 45 years, how to make your marriage work. For more information or to join the conversation this morning, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Up next, we're joined by a couple who have been married for over 45 years. They're here this morning to share their secrets to a happy marriage. It's our pleasure to welcome George and Terry to Sunday Morning Magazine. Thank Thank you for inviting us, Rodney. Nice to meet you. Now, you guys have been married 45 years. Now, you have children, right? Yes, sir. Four children, a girl and three boys. All right. And grandchildren, too, right, George? We have six, actually, now. We just had a new one. Let's go back, way back, 45 years. And I have to say this. You guys can't see them in the studio, but they're so adorable. They're holding (laughs) hands after 45 years. They're sitting here holding hands. I can't believe it. It's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. So you guys have been married 45 years. Let's go in the time machine. Let's go way back, 45 years. Um, In general, has marriage changed in, in the last 45 years? I think it's changed considerably, Rodney, um, especially in the area of technology, uh, which wasn't you know around when we first were married, and the distraction actually that it is in today's marriage. Uh, so that I think it's one factor that has changed over the last forty-five years. Okay, now what about gender roles? You know, we see women um, out working um, more, and I don't know what was it like forty-five years ago, Terry? Did you when you got married were you a working woman? Well, 45 years ago, that was just the beginning of really the the women going out of the home and having more regular uh, working jobs outside the home. Because let's face it, work in the home, taking care of the children in the home is a job in itself, mm-hmm. along with taking care of a husband. Um, but the having a career, I have been uh, a practicing dental hygienist for the last 44 years. But it did change quite a bit after we had children. I I stepped back from my profession and only worked, you know, part-time. And I think we're seeing more of that. Uh, I I think we're on the the swing where women were gone and and there weren't so many stay-at-home moms in the, you know, the last 40 years. But we're starting to see more of job sharing for women or men. We have a son that's a stay-at-home dad and his wife is the, the main provider at this point, and we're seeing more of one of the parents being, you know, home 
and interacting and taking care of the children with the daycare. So let's talk about this again. 45 years ago when you first got married, how important was it for you guys to achieve the American dream, the house, the mortgage, the car, the family? And George, did that put a lot of pressure on you as a young man back 45 years ago? Yeah, my job was very important to me back then, Rodney. My background is I'm German, so I take my uh, work seriously, my career seriously. Was I uh, somewhat intimidated by neighbors? Absolutely. I wanted to have the large green lawn, the nice house, and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we try to stay up with the Joneses, uh, which was kind of the catchphrase back in, in our time period. Okay. Now, let's talk about this, Terry. Um, I spoke with you earlier this week, and you say after eight and a half years of marriage, you and George became what you refer to as emotionally divorced. Explain to us what you mean by that. Well, we spent the first uh, part of our marriage, the early years, being friends who slowly started to go out into their own desires and their own things that were driving them that were of interest to them. Then children came after five years of marriage. We had three children very close together, and uh, the fourth one was on its way, and we had this real sense of George was living his life. I was living my life. We had our job responsibilities, and our couple time was really taking a hit, a terrible, terrible hit. So without spending time together, as we had in the early years of our life, we found that we were becoming strangers to one another and more interested in our own self-interest. So it made it at times uh, difficult to be in relationship with each other because our interests kept conflicting and butting heads against each other. George would have work responsibilities. I had charity work and the kids and my job, and he had his um, basketball coaching. And we kept full schedules, almost as if we were married people but living single lifestyles. And again, I think referencing your previous question about careers, um, I was caught up in my career. I wanted to move ahead within the corporation that I was working in. And so, uh, you know, determination to move ahead caused me to work more hours than I ever imagined when we first uh, got married. And so consequently, you know, I came home at night and I crashed, you know, talking about stereotypical roles. I came home. I expected to have supper on the table. I hit the couch and read my books with the expectation that, you know, my day was finished, having worked as hard as I did. And so, again, there wasn't much going on. Even though we were in the same room sometimes, there wasn't much going on between the two of us in terms of emotional connectedness. Okay, and that's really interesting because, you know, you guys are going back 40 um, years on this, but things like that still happens today, you know, and we you talk about technology, and I think that drives couples apart. So how did you guys eight and a half years into your marriage, how did you get through that? Well, uh, number one, it was difficult. We had some guidance. Terry was fortunate to know a, uh, a priest, actually, who she uh, asked for advice, and he suggested that uh, the two of us, after talking to me as well, uh, independently, uh, he saw that we had communication difficulties, that we really weren't able to communicate on an emotional level, sharing facts, absolutely, but, you know, the stuff that was driving us inside we were not sharing and had the, lost the ability to share. So he encouraged us to go on a couples retreat. You know, it was called a Worldwide Marriage Encounter Weekend. And so uh, that weekend basically uh, was the beginning of a new marriage for us because it finally dawned on me personally what marriage was expected to be and secondly how to emotionally engage with Terry because it was not something that I grew up with. Okay, so that retreat, Saved your marriage. Absolutely. Two things. It gave us the opportunity to 
reevaluate what our direction was. Is this the direction we want to go with our lives, not just my life, his life, our lives? I mean, we muddled through for a year and a half, and it was just about uh, six months before our 10-year wedding anniversary that we made that retreat. So we had a good year and a half of butting heads and and having difficulties. So when we did make that retreat weekend, that was a re- not just communication, but reevaluation. And so, yes, a stimulus to take reevaluate. And the second most important thing was then the decision, commitment, and determination to work at it. You can go to any kind of retreat, go away for a weekend, have, uh, you know, go to marriage counseling, whatever it might be. But if the two of you together, two, I'm stressing, it can't just be one. If the two of you together don't make the decision to recommit to one another and to work on it, which we have done probably, what, thousands of times over the last 45 years, it's not going to work. Marriage is not easy. We're two different people, and it takes effort, and it takes some self-sacrificing, and it takes some discipline. And those were things that we were somewhat immature about. I don't, we see it still today. There's a certain maturity that you have to reach that says, yes, we want this to work. What am I going to do to contribute to make it work? What is he going to do? And let's go for it. But it did take two of us. All right. And in case you're just tuning in, you're tuning in to our second part of our two-part series on marriage. This morning, we're speaking to George and Terry. They have been married 45 years. They're here this morning to share their story and their love affair here this morning. They're so cute. They're holding hands. I just love that. Now, let's talk about this now. Terry, you say that marriage is not 50-50. No, it is not. Because what happens when someone doesn't have the emotional ability? They're drained at work constantly or they're they um, have some issues that are Im- impacting them in their life, and they don't have that fit. It's a, got to be 100% in 100% because there's times I'm going to have to carry George. There's times he's going to have to carry me, and I'm not going to hold back the other 50%. If I'm only giving 50%, what am I doing with the other 50%? Yeah, and it's not about scorekeeping. Unfortunately, you know, so often in today's marriage, we decide what's fair based on how much effort each person is putting into it. And again, as Terry mentioned, you know, there are times we have to overcome that tendency to keep score and just, you know, put everything into the effort of uh, maintaining our relationship. Okay. So for the two of you and for anyone, how important do you believe a sense of spirituality and religion? How important is that to a marriage? It drives our marriage. For us, it's kind of a touchstone. Uh, When we have difficulties, we kind of step back and especially... Uh, with our understanding of uh, the sacrament and our faith, uh, we know that we're called to be by God uh, to be a reflection of Christ's love for his church. And so that certainly gave us a touchstone and uh, something to look back to, to reevaluate constantly how we are living our marriage out. And then we see ourselves deviate from that uh, to, for the both of us to you know, refocus on that call uh, to be that sign of Christ's love for his church. Yes, it, I would say that that uh, one of the other big changes was for us to stop living a life for the modern world and start living a life the way God has called us to live, as George said. It's very simple. Love each other. Husbands and wives should love each other as Christ loves his church. Well, he was loving, caring, forgiving, compassionate, understanding, willing to reach out, uh, willing to heal hurts, and 
these are the same qualities that we are called to. And as George just mentioned, when we see ourselves um, getting a little uppity about ourselves and a little too much into each each of us into our own little world, we step back and say, wait a minute, this isn't what we're called to. And God is counting on us to reflect his love out in the world. Without our faith and a basis in faith, which we had abandoned, I'll be honest, in the first early years, we were one of those, oh, yeah, you know, we go to church and check off the box and we sit in the pew and throw in our envelope. But we were not engaged in our faith. And that was also a big change about 10 years into our marriage, recognizing the importance. The closer we move to God, it's like a triangle. Each of us on a corner of the triangle and God at the top of the triangle. And the closer we move to God, the closer we get to each other. Well, I would also add to that just the awesome concept that God brought the two of us together. You know, we could just say it was coincidence that we met. But when we take it to the next step and realize it was God who brought us together, there had to be a reason why God brought us together. There had to be purpose behind it. And so we constantly strive to look what was God's intent in the two of us coming together. And I think, you know, Terry may have mentioned this to you before, just that whole concept of differences that used to divide us. Now we see as a gift to our relationship to learn from each other so that we can become you know, more uh, of ourselves, to become a better version of ourselves uh, than had we lived by ourselves uh, without each other. So, um, I mean, just the fact that God you know, brought this person in my life is so awesome because I've grown so much because of her. All right. That's great. After 45 years of marriage, that's great. Now, what is it that makes you guys work? The two of you work. Why do you guys work? 45 years into this marriage, as you look back on it, what is it that makes the two of you work? I would say for me, it's a willingness to continually fight to be not just ordinary, but extraordinary. The best wife I can be. Terry gets a little emotional when we talk about our relationship because it means so much to us. And what keeps us going today is, is, as Terry mentioned, the idea that we can be an ordinary, we can coast in our marriage, we can only coast downhill. So we constantly strive to be better than ordinary. And that way, if we fail, we still have a pretty darn good marriage. As if we, you know, shoot for a low goal and miss, then obviously, you know, we really are, you know, in the dumpster, so to speak. Um, But I have to be honest with you. uh, And again, I think God pushes us to constantly reevaluate our relationship. And and I work very hard. And so does George. We work at being best friends. When I say work at that, We have very different ideas of things we like. I have different interests and different hobbies than he does. One of the most important things we did at the 10-year mark was we started developing one to two things we had in common, and we really uh, foster growth in that area. He likes photography. I like it somewhat, and we've both gotten interested in that, and we both intensely like traveling. So instead of focusing on just things that he likes, him doing that, and for his relaxation and for myself, the same thing. We've worked at developing things that we both have an interest in and not not ignoring that. I think the other thing that's important is we worked at being best friends. Best, being best friends with anyone, not just your spouse, but with anyone, requires having good quality time with each other, not taking for granted that just because we're husband and wife and we're living under the same roof and sleeping in the same bed, Oh, well, that must make us good friends. No, we 
take time to turn off the TV, to get away from the technology. We like technology just like anybody else. But we have some little funny little guidelines and rules. No technology at restaurants. All a person has to do is go to a restaurant and see how technology is impacting the social situation and look around. People are looking down at their phones. They're not connecting with each other. We've Actually, just, more importantly, no no technology in the bedroom. In the bedroom, we try the television. None. We we try the tablets and so forth. And you know, it, it's obvious after a few evenings that it actually drives us apart as opposed to bringing us together. It eliminates your time for intimacy. So it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we needed to eliminate that. And mm-hmm. and that's a little rule that we live by. And another thing that we do, and I think we have this attitude to find something good in each other. And so we are always on a path to look for a quality in each other that we can express to the other person to lift them up. We call it, you know, being a good finder in the other person. I could make a list, you know, a mile and a half long, so could Terry, about the things we don't like about each other. But making the effort, you know, to actually find those things that Terry did today, you know, baking me cookies or, you know, just make doing my wash, all those little simple things that we take for granted to express to her, how, much, how thankful I am that she's doing those things. Now, you were just talking about no technology in the bedroom. Um, help us. Let's, let's expound on that. Why is that so critical and so important? Well, if you're bringing something else into, we call our bedroom the sacred space. It's, it's, it's an area that is just the two of us. We don't have a television in there. We tried it for a couple of weeks. And as we mentioned, we don't bring our cell phones. Cell phones next to the bed but it's on, you know, silent. That's only in case of emergencies because we have no landline. But other than that, we're not, we're not going through Facebook. We're not doing all this because what we found was that was taking away from that normal tender time that we would have together when that stuff wasn't around, that time where we're in bed, we have a sense of each other physically. We have create this atmosphere of just a tender, a soft tenderness to us. Um, just to cuddle sometimes. It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I'm giving you notice. This is the time. This is the time we're getting it on here, babe. Let's go. <laughs> this- I'm glad to know getting it on is still on the table oh, at 45 oh, years. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> well, the, the humorous thing here, Rodney, is that we tried the television for, you know, for a limited two time weeks. for two, two weeks. weeks. And after two weeks, Terry came in to the bedroom, you know, with her negligee on and said, okay, you have a choice to make. Uh, is it me or is it David Letterman tonight? Totally up to you. All right. I love it. And finally this morning, what's the biggest piece of advice after 45 years of marriage? What's the biggest piece of advice you can offer to our listeners this morning, especially young couples? To avoid complacency in a relationship. Um, I think one of the things we discovered is constantly reevaluate where we are to be honest with ourselves and with each other, to see the weaknesses in our relationship at this point in time, and to come up with a plan to overcome them. You know, is our emotional connectedness uh, not where it needs to be by sharing who we are, what our dreams are, and so forth? Um, Is our spiritual life at this time, uh, you know, floundering, and we need the other person to help us along? Is our sexual, intimate life uh, not where it needs to be? So constant reevaluation, uh, I think, is, is almost necessary in a relationship so that we don't kind of just take it for granted and uh, lose that, you know, that spark that brought us together in the first place. And I would encourage all couples to really, young or old, grandma, grandpa, um, 
young kids that are newly married, celebrate and enjoy your good times together. Uh, joy and happiness is really, really important, as is um, working at being best friends. I think one of the best gifts we give to each other is at the end of the meal at dinner time is to just sit. We we like to have a glass of wine or sometimes it's just a, a bottle of fizzy water or whatever it might be and just talk for 10 or 15 minutes and just share about our day and uh, reconnect. We've been away from the home, both of us, now for eight hours, 10 hours that day. Let's reconnect and, and get on good footing. And that starts the evening off very, very nicely. Um, find your what works for you. And, yeah, when the kids are there, you have to pay attention to them. There's nothing wrong with they're in bed at 9 o'clock, that TV's off, and we've got a half an hour to ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you weird. It makes you in love. All right, good. All right, well, with that, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us this morning and sharing your wisdom this morning with us. We appreciate it. God bless. We've been speaking to George and Terry about the secrets to their 45-year marriage. Coming up next, we talk to Mary Couple and stars of HGTV's newest hit show, Hometown. That's coming up next as our two-part series on how to strengthen your marriage concludes. 